being a Monday means gardening talkback. And joining us right now is David Peterson. Good afternoon. Hello, Dave, and good afternoon, everyone. What have we got today? Because all our callers go in the draw to win a wonderful gift pack. They do, and I, I actually think this plant looks a little bit artificial. The flower colour does look particularly artificial, but it's um, a fairly new dianthus. I've had dianthus in the studio before, but this is a new one, and it uh, belongs to the Scent Heaven series, and it's called Angel of Desire, which is quite bizarre, the name of it. It's a beautiful little thing. The flowers are pink, and around the edges of the petals are red. Now, of course, with all the dianthus, yes, they do have a scent, and we can smell it in the studio here today. Smells lovely, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. So it's got a nice, beautiful perfume. It flowers particularly well all the way through the year. If it's in a good, sunny, well-drained position, you will actually get flowers right through the year. But it's probably its peak is during the spring, summer, and autumn months. So it is in its full blooming stage at the moment. So that's the plant I'm giving away today, as well as that I'm giving away a box of the plant food. This is the all-purpose soluble plant food, and also a container of the Aquamagic. These are the re-wetting granules, which you can add to potting mix to ground or whatever to just help retain the moisture. So that's going to, of course, one of our lucky callers right at the end of the program. Yes, to be in the running, all you need to do is give us a call. Go to the phones right now, 49216216. It's Gardening Talkback with David Peterson, taking your calls after this at 2NURFM 103.7. If you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. Let's go to the phones right now. Joining us from Fern Bay, it's Tony for David. Hello, Tony. Uh, David, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. That's good. Um, just one question. I've got a heap of chrysanthemums in, mm-hmm. and we've cut most of them now. They're a terrific crop. When can I cut them back? How soon after the flowers? Well, when the flowers finish, that's yeah. when you prune them back right to the ground. So you do that, you feed them up, they will grow again. But sometimes with chrysanthemums, they grow that quickly that they become very, very lanky by about January. Um, These did too. Yeah, yeah, so what I generally suggest to people once we get to January, and they, they probably will flower once they once we get into January, but if, if they're looking a little bit tall and lanky, you can actually cut them right back to the ground again in January because by the time they shoot up again and by the time we get to May, they're actually at a really, really nice height and they're nice and strong and they're probably better for picking. So you'll oh, do them wow. now after flowering and then you'll do them again when they probably flower around January or so. And both times when you when you prune them back you feed them up so you're promoting that really good strong growth again right okay so as soon as you stop flowering yes cut them right back to virtually nothing at all and then they will send all their little shoots up from underneath the ground okay thanks very much david you're welcome tony bye okay our next call is at cessnock this is colleen hello colleen hello david i was i did ring last week yes but i got cut off okay in, um, yes. And I thank you for telling me about the plant, the yakka. Oh, very good, yes. But what I wanted to know was I had two of the plants in two different pots. Mm-hmm. When the first one flowered and finished, I cut that long stem back. Yes. It hasn't flowered since. Okay. Now, this is the yakka we're referring to again, Colleen? Yes. Okay. yes. And that's what I wanted to know. And so that's why I rang you last week. Right. And I was waiting, but I could cut off. Oh, never mind. Um, so with the yuccas, well, of course, once they flower for the first time, they should actually flower then. They may not flower possibly the year after, but they possibly will flower the year after that. So it may take them a couple of years to reflower again. So they normally wouldn't automatically flower that 12 months later again. Okay. And the other thing for Mother's Day, 
I was given a pot with tulips in it. Oh, yes, yes. I've never grown (laughs) tulips. I have a beautiful vacant pot, Mm -hmm. and it would be in full sunlight. Okay. Well, the thing is with tulips, I mean, even though they're in flower now, they're out of season flowering because normally tulips will generally flower in the springtime. So, of course, they're grown specially in glass houses to actually bring them up and have them in flower for this time of the year. So normally with tulips, the old thing is they will not flower again because once you've got had tulips flowering, they will not reflower the following year because mainly of our season. I have tried uh, to regrow them for the following year to try and get them into flower, to try and make people be a liar out of them, but unfortunately, no, I haven't had them to flower the, the second year. So if I, I've got a hot house... Mm-hmm. Cage yes. that I could fit right over the pot. Mm-hmm. Would that protect it in any way? Well, it may do, but the, I think the trick of the tulips is that they need to be chilled. They need to know that it's actually winter for them to reflower next year. So once they flower, you'll actually store the bulbs and you'll keep those for next year. And then you'll put them in at this time. This is the normal time for putting in tulips. Yeah. But what you'll do then is you'll actually put some ice cubes on them. And it's actually tricking them to think that they're in a very cold climate, that the ice, when it melts, gives them this cold water. And sometimes you'll find that will trick them into flowering. You can try it and see how you go for next year. Yeah, that's what I do with the cycle. Mm, that's exactly right. So try it with the tulips, and hopefully you'll be ringing back and telling me that you've actually had them flower for the second year. God bless you. You too, Colleen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. And we're off to Salamander Bay. That's where Jill's waiting patiently. Hello, Jill. Oh, uh, hello, David. Um, I have a tallow tree. It's only been in a couple of years. Now, now just a moment, Jill. What was that plant again? A tallow tree. Tallow, yes, a tallow wood tree, okay. And uh, the reason I got it was for the autumn colours. Yes. Now when it comes autumn, the leaves uh, seem to be attacked by something. Oh, really? They go really brown in the centre. Okay. And um, the leaves look horrible, but... it still looks yellow. Okay. Leaves look yellow. Well, I tell you why you're not getting the true autumn colours is because you live at Salamander Bay, and of course the the temperature is quite mild compared to mm. down on the coast. So yeah. that's why sometimes you won't get the real intense colours as we would in the mountains. So oh. once again, the only way to trick these sorts of things is to. Um, is to actually throw ice around them, around the root system, to trick them into thinking yeah. it is very, very cold and let the ice melt around the root system. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know if you've been at the bay lately, but um, the trees in the main street seem to be the tallow tree, and they're absolutely beautiful. Oh, okay. Probably because they're so neglected, they probably don't get any treatment <laughs> at all, whereas we tend to fuss over our trees. Yeah. So sometimes, even with those autumn things, if you starve them prior to autumn, sometimes, once again, they will more intensify with their colour. As far as the browning on the leaves, Jill, that may be just a bit of fungal disease that's got into the tree, but certainly once the leaves have fallen, that fungal will actually just uh, dry up and go away again for you. And uh, another question, if you don't mind. Certainly. Uh, I have almanders. 
And uh, they're just finishing. Uh, what should I do with them? You'll leave them alone, particularly once again in this area, because you need to let them get a, get through the winter months. Right. And then once we get to spring and you start to see some young growth appearing, yes. that's the time to give them a prune back if you want to prune them back, because you know for sure they're going to shoot away very, very successfully. So you'll probably find that won't be until about October yes. before you'll be able to prune them back. But certainly yeah, they will... Prune them hard or... Yeah, I was just going to say, yes, you can prune them very, very severely and they will bounce back very easily. Okay. Now, do you mind one more? Oh, gee, you're stretching the friendship, Jill, but quickly. Yeah, okay, rhubarb. Yes. Uh, it grows, but it doesn't thicken. Okay, well, you'll probably find that once again with rhubarb, they like to be kept really mulched and also lots and lots of cow manure, and that's sometimes you'll probably find what brings the stems nice and thick for you. There you go. Just as Jill has done, you can give us a call. Our phone number is 49216216. It's Gardening Talkback right through until 1.30 this afternoon. 49216216. We're back soon talking to Pam from Aberglaslin. Easy listening to NURFM 103.7. Gardening Talkback, 49216216, if you'd like to give us a call. Hello, Pam. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Pam. What can I do for you? I have a frangia penny that I was given about four years ago, and I put it in a larger pot, mm-hmm. but I stupidly put it somewhere where it was only getting filtered light, and it's gone very tall and very lanky with just three little fingers up the top. Mm-hmm. They all flower. Now, what can I do? Can I do anything to make it brancher? Can I make it shorter? What can I do with it? Well, certainly the the most important thing is that you move it out into a position where it's getting full sun, and that's generally... Okay, that's great. Well, that's that's what's going to thicken it up. Don't worry about pruning it back because if you go doing that, you're going to stall it even further. So just wait to see what it does for the next 12 months when it starts to shoot again. And I think you'll probably find it will strengthen it a great deal by putting it right out into the full sun. But that's, but that's all I would need. That's all I would do for this next 12 months. Uh, as I said, rather than pruning it back, just let it go and see how it goes for the next 12 months. Okay, and if it doesn't do anything in 12 months, what do I do? How do I uh, prune this you'll, thing? You'll be phoning me back, of course, to, to <laughs> a, for me to advise you what to do. Oh, the will, <laughs> oh will I? Yes, 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 you will. So, but look, it certainly if it doesn't do well in the next 12 months, I would then be considering on pruning it back. But look, I think, uh, as I said, I think you'll probably find it will strengthen a great deal with the um, full sun position. Okay, thanks. All right, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Let's make our way over to Millfield and say hello to Diane. Hello, Diane. Good afternoon, David. Um, I've just got a problem. I have um, powdery mildew on my agapanthus. Mm -hmm. Now, I haven't got any mangazeb here at the moment, but I've got lime sulfur. Would that do the same thing? Not really, no. Lime sulfur is basically a, a thing that we use on fruit trees and things before they actually shoot for the season. It's the only time I ever suggest to use it as well as roses when we prune them back. Right. But it's a, it's a product that I don't normally recommend just um, very often, only through the, the winter months. So I would suggest either uh, Mancozeb yes. or the copper oxychloride if you've got some of that on hand. But either one of those two. But the one best overall would be the Mancozeb. Okay. Good. Thank you very much, David. You're welcome. It's 49216216 for Gardening Talk back till 1.30 today at Woodbury. Hello, Val. Hi. How are you going? Good, thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a Mariah out yes. the back and it is probably about 15 feet high. Wow. That's, a, that's been in a while then. It has, yes. Um, but it's got a distinct stripe. 
down one side where the leaves have gone yellow. Mm -hmm. So I went in underneath and had a look to try and track it back to the branch, the main branch, and uh, I can't find anything because we do have trouble with borers around here, but uh, there doesn't seem to be any evidence of that or doesn't seem to be any problem there, but just this distinct yellow stripe down, right down. Okay. Well, normally yellowing on moraes just indicate that there's just a little bit of a problem in the soil, and sometimes it can be an indication that the soil is a little bit sour. And this can happen very, very often around moraes, and quite often what I suggest there is if you just get yourself a bag of garden lime, just ordinary garden lime, and just dust around the very base of the moraya and in the drip area, around the drip area of the, uh, the, the plant, and then water that in. And you'll probably find that in itself will change the pH of the ground and in time it will green the marae up for you. Yep, okay. Well, because there is some yellow leaves around yes. the, the rest of it, but this, this one branch, particular branch seems to uh, have gone really yellow. Okay. Just, uh, just keep an eye on that one branch as well, Val, because sometimes if it's only one branch and if it continues to yellow off and fall off, completely just be careful it may be a fungal disease that's also around the root system so i watch that very thoroughly but certainly i would get some garden lime around it water it in as i said you're not thinking of pruning back the marae are you um no i i rather like it okay (laughs) because i mean marae's can be very very severely pruned if needs be so okay uh, in the past but uh i sort of liked liked it the way it okay, is. now that's fine. We'll try the lime. And then, as I said, watch that branch really carefully in case it goes back even further. If you find it is losing its foliage and it's becoming bare, certainly get a fungicide around the root system. Just water that around the root system. And the one that you'd be looking for once again is Mancazeb. Yep, yep. All right? Yep. Thanks, Val. Thank you. All right, bye-bye now. If you've been thinking about giving us a call on Gardening Talkback, now is the time. There's a free line waiting there right now. It's 49216216. You'll get to talk to David Peterson, and we'll come back with your calls after this. Gardening Talkback, 49216216. If you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. David Peterson is here taking your calls and saying hello now to Steve at Curry Curry. Hello, Steve. How you going, mate? Good, thank you. I just come to ring up and say thank you for that prize I won you last week. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it. I've never won nothing like that in my life. No, well, that's that's what we're here for, to give away yeah. lovely prizes. Yeah, I just, um, just can't ring you just to say thank you very much for that and um, everything like that. I just want to know that the little tree I was talking about, the avocado tree. Yes. Has it got a tap root? No, the avocados would be all surface rooting and they would have just a matting surface root along the surface of the ground. So there would be no tap root. There's very little trees these days that have tap roots except probably for gum trees and things like that that are very, very large trees. So, no, it's all surface rooting. Yeah, well, it's on the front brand now, so it looks okay. So you said uh, put it out of the, the weather. Okay, right. Yeah, so it's looking looking good, really. Well, that's great, Steve. All all right, thank you for that. Thank you very much. He's a very happy man. Well done, Steve. And Ellen's with us now from Gwondolin. Hello, Ellen. Hello, how you going? Good, thank you. Um, I'm just ringing up about a zucchini plant that a girlfriend and me have got. Yes. And we're having trouble with the zucchini plant. When the flower drops off and when the zucchini's growing, it goes soft on top. Okay, well that's just generally caused through a fungal disease that gets into the zucchini. 
You generally can get around that just by when it's in flower, you start spraying it with a product called Mancozeb. Oh, yeah, I got that. Okay, so you just spray with that. That stops that disease from happening. I'm still, I'm surprised actually you've still got zucchinis growing at this time of the year. Yeah, they're still popping up. Because, I mean, normally with the winter weather, they, I mean, perhaps because of all the really mild conditions that we have, that's why it's still growing well for you. But certainly once it gets very cold, it will die away. But certainly just give it a spray with the mancozeb that you've got, Ellen. Cool, thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay, okay, bye. bye now. And we've got Jean joining us now from Morissette. Hello, Jean. Good afternoon, David. I have a banksia. It has a golden cone on it. Yes. And down the bottom of the shrub, it is yellowing. The leaves are yellowing. Okay. All right. Now, with banksia, certainly once they're in flower, a lot of the energy is probably going to the flower. So the younger leaves, or the older leaves, I should say, will always tend to suffer a little bit. And this is sometimes just a little bit of stress. I wouldn't worry too much about this gene so long as you're getting it in flower because once those flowers finish, you'll probably find all the energy, once you've cut the flower off, all the energy will then go back into the growth again. So once it has finished flowering, just give it a little bit of native fertiliser or some blood and bone, which is a good slow-release organic fertiliser, and that will go back into the plant and start it producing its foliage again. Oh, good. Thank all right. you. And I have a camellia that's on my patio, but in soil. But this year, it doesn't, it's had very few flowers on it. Mm-hmm. So has it always been in this position, Jean? Yes. Okay. Well, perhaps it may be an idea after it finishes its flowering for this year, even though it doesn't have very many on it, just make sure you give it, once again, a good, complete fertiliser, and that pushes it through into growing then and helps produce the flowers for next year. But normally what we do in, say, round about the early parts of autumn, we give it some more fertiliser because that will hopefully promote the buds on ready for the, winter, the autumn winter flowering. So I should do it now. After it finishes blooming, feed it to push it through the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And then just before it's budding up for next year, that's when you give it some more fertiliser. Any particular one? Yeah, just stay with an, a, probably a pelleted manure that you can buy quite readily and you can just throw that around. That way you're not going to burn the plant. Good. Thank you so much, David. My pleasure, Jean. Right. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back with David Peterson. If you'd like to give us a call, a free line waiting there right now on 49216216. 2 in your RFM, 103.7. And Gardening Talk back with David Peterson, 49216216. And Joyce joins us now from Watanabe. Hello, Joyce. Hello, David. I just want to ask you a question if you can help me out here. Um, <clears throat> I've got uh, orchids mm-hmm. and it's in a big pot, but it seems to be too full, like they're, it looks ugly because they're, Lots of orchids there, like bulbs. Mm-hmm. Can I transplant into a? Should I disturb it and okay. put it into another pot, or, or can I break them up into separate pots? All right. Okay. Well, first of all, with orchids, they love being restricted, and the more they're restricted in the pots, the better they'll often they'll flower for you. So. Okay. Um, sometimes it's best to leave them restricted because, as I said, they will still function, still flower for you, and in matter of fact, they probably will even do better being like that. If you wanted to do something with them, um, rather than splitting, because once you split an orchid, sometimes it takes two or three years for it to reflower once again, it's best if you can just put it up into so- 
something a little bigger than what it's in. And I only say a little bigger, and I, I do mean that, because don't put it into something really big and put all that new bark around it, because it will not function as well. So you just step it up slightly with orchids. Otherwise, you can split them, but as I said, it will take a couple of years or even more than that for it to reflower again. So, and. Also, the, the main thing is that you do, you do this um, during the time after it finishes blooming. So you don't do it now. You wait until it finishes blooming and then you repot it or else split it up. So if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, you'll probably find that uh, the, the orchids, the normal orchids, they are coming up into spiking very, very soon. So you'll leave them until they're finished and then repot it. I've put it into full sun now, so that's good, isn't it? Good, yes, that'll promote the spikes on it for you, yes. Yeah. And I've got the little uh, slow-released fertiliser. Do I sprinkle some of that around? You, you can do that as well at this time of the year because that will certainly help the spikes. Okay, and also my brother gave me two bulbs. One's a yellow bulb and the other one's a purple bulb. Because, you know, <laughs> it's the colours that come out from that, that bulb. No, but, but, do you, but do you know what it is, first of all? Oh, okay. Oh, well, well cer certainly the darker bulbs, yes, normally do form more of a darker colour and the lighter bulbs have a lighter shade of colour. So it could be anything, but certainly the, that would depend on the colours. Yeah, well, what I've done, I've uh, put it in a little bit of water and yes. the windowsill so right. the roots are starting to come through. Should I wait for them roots to come really long before I plant it? No, certainly I'd be getting that into a pot or into the ground straight away. Oh, okay. And what's the best pot? A ceramic pot or just a... It doesn't really matter. It's entirely up to you. Uh, they will grow in either. And, of course, make sure sometimes you use a very, very good potting mixture or a bulb fibre. Okay. And uh, uh, what else? Uh, do I put a slow-release fertiliser? No, because a good premium potting mixture should have a fertiliser in it. So you wait until it actually has shot away and then you start feeding it a liquid fertiliser. Okay. And do I put that in full sun or shade? Uh, it prefers as much sun as possible, that one, and that should um, bring it up into flower very well. Thank you, Joyce. Let's go to Talara now. That's where Fran's waiting patiently. Hello, Fran. Hello, how are you? Good. I want to pick your brains about mulching. Yes. Okay, now I know roses with black spot, etc. If you mulch them, they can. The spores stay in the ground in the mulch, is that right? Well, sometimes it will, but quite often with the fungal spores, once they leave the plant, they will just shrivel up and die. So that's not always the case because we can mulch around um, roses very, very easily, particularly with things like sugarcane or lucerne, uh, one of those mulches. And that, as I said, once the leaf actually falls off the rose with the fungal disease, it should actually just shrivel up and die, the fungal disease in itself. Well, you see, I've got my own, own mulcher. That's, mm. that's why I want to mulch everything because it's just gone berserk this year. Okay. Well, just be, just be very, very careful if you're collecting around underneath the roses with, um, with the leaves that have the disease. Certainly, I would isolate those from the mulch, uh, the mulcher just in case. Yeah, radio. Um, can I mulch my own geraniums? Yes, yeah, certainly you can mulch those. Just um, pop them through the, um, the, the mulcher and that will certainly go back in and mix with all the other mulch that you're doing anyway. Oh, fantastic, because everything's going through it. <laughs> I'm getting a bit vicious here. All right, no, that's okay, that's fine. Guard now and I think, mm, I can do that and that and that. Okay, well, thank you very much. My pleasure.
Have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye now. It's 49216216. If you'd like to be a part of Gardening Talkback, give us a call. There's a free line waiting for you right now. 49216216. We'll come back soon and talk to Leon from Charlestown. Well, Leon joins us right now, and Leon's at Charlestown. Hello, Leon. Hello, David. I've got a bit of a problem with a big staghorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved it out of the fernery a couple of years back and just stuck it on the ground near a tree with intentions of hanging it in the tree, and I think you advised me at the time when it took off on the ground, just leave it there, and it's grew into a really big one, but just lately it's, the leaves have been going brown and dying off, uh, my wife cut a lot of the dead leaves off out of the centre and she said she's seen white ants in the middle. But uh, I was dug down into it and I'd taken a couple of handfuls of just like a fibrous root stuff out of it and I can't see no white ants. I don't know okay. whether she mistook it. But the even the two new leaves, the two fronds that's coming on the bottom, they haven't got the bright green colour that, that they normally have. They're more of a, a bit of a yellowish. Okay. Well, let's just let's just look at one thing first. I mean, certainly if you feel it is white ants, there's, there's probably a, a, just a precaution what you can do there. And any general insecticide, if you just mix that up and just water that over the stag, that probably will get rid of any ants that may be in the area just to solve that problem first of all. As far as the, the yellowing of the foliage goes on the stag, Look, it could be seasonal. Uh, it could be because of the conditions that it's in, why it's doing that. But certainly if you just water some liquid fertiliser over it every couple of weeks. Uh, put down to the centre. Pardon? Is the centre of the stag on? doesn't really matter. You can, you can water it over the entire plant. Just water it over with the liquid fertiliser and that way it'll go down or through the foliage. So it's going to just feed every part of the stag. So you can do the entire area. So if you've got a watering can of um, liquid feed, just a half a watering can all over the, the foliage and all and do that every couple of weeks and that in itself you'll probably find will green all the foliage up for you as well. And what about the insecticide, if I put a bit down through the centre of the stag on? Or? Well, look, certainly, once again, you can water that over the stag. You could even probably um, blend that with the fertiliser, so you're doing the same job all at once, or both the jobs all at once. So just mix it up according to the directions and just water it all over the stag. So it's actually going down, and in actual fact, that'll protect the stag against any other insect attack as well. What type of insecticide could you tell me, David? Any general one. Uh, certainly, if you've got pyrethra in a home, that's a really good one because it's nice and safe. Um, or even malathion. If you've got some malathion, just mix that up and just water that through it and that would um, protect it as well. Oh, good. I I, bought, I I did feed it for a while, some time back, oh, 18 months back, with a bit of... Um, uh, slow-release fertiliser, mm-hmm. the Osmocote. Yep, that's fine. You can do that. Uh, but certainly a lot of those ones don't normally do any great benefit during the winter months because they need the warmth to work. So just a liquid one probably at this time of the year would be much better than the uh, the, the, the pelleted ones. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, we've got sea salt here. Would that be... That's uh, fine. You can, you can use that. Once again, just mix that according to directions and just water that over the stag. Let's make our way to Gorican. That's where Brian's waiting for us. Hello, Brian. Yeah, hi, David. Um, up the back of our, um, along our fence, we had for a privacy screen a New Zealand Christmas bush. Mm-hmm. Had for it quite a few years. And right next to it is, my wife thinks it's called mor- Morning, Noon and Night. Or... Barbia Brunsfelsia, I guess it has the three different coloured blue flowers yeah, on it, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, the, are the roots of that um, 
destructive? Can it strangle the roots of the one next to it and kill it? You, you mean is the New Zealand Christmas bush going to strangle the Brunsfelsia? No. Or vice versa? The other way around. Okay, well, the, the, I would more so think that the New Zealand Christmas bush, bush would have a much bigger root system than the Bruns Felsia. So it would be the New Zealand Christmas bush that may strangle the Bruns Felsia if it's oh. planted really close to it. Yeah, it is. But I, I, I rang you about almost a year ago about uh, chopping the Christmas bush back, mm-hmm. and I did. And it just seems to, I've had to cut some more branches off because they, they've They've died, and I thought it was the other thing that was strangling. No, not at all, not at all. New Zealand Christmas bush sometimes does just have a branch that dies off periodically, but once again, it's always a good idea with those every springtime just to give them a prune back so you encourage more good growth, so you're not actually letting them grow from year to year without any doing any pruning, because the more you prune something, the better it functions and the bushier it um, produces more but growth. It's just taken so long to come back, and the, the new leaves that come back, they, they're green for a little while, and then they just die. All right. Also, too, you would be best to probably feed the plant, just spike down with a garden fork, feed it with just a very good pelleted manure, and certainly that in itself will promote good, strong growth for you. Thank you, Brian. Joining us right now from Aberdeer is Mary Ann. Hello, Mary Ann. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. That's good. I have a, an African violet. It's a, um, a flat-leafed one, the rounded leaf, not yes. the curly one. And it's developed this brown all over, on like all the leaves. Mm. And no. some of it's wet, some of it's dry. All right. So the browning, is it in the actual leaf? Yeah, it's on the on the edges of some okay. and in the middle of others. All right. Just be very, very careful because sometimes when I see browning on African violets, sometimes it can be a scorching. Now, a scorching can be if you've moved it into a position which is getting a fair amount of direct sunlight through glass. That can often scorch it very easily. Otherwise, if it's been fed by a fertilizer that's often burnt, this causes a scorching on the leaf as well. So those areas that have been scorched, it's probably a good idea if you take those leaves off so that you are encouraging more growth from the centre rather than leaving those damaged leaves there. Okay. It, looks, it seems healthy enough because it's got nice... Yeah, well, that's good. I would say it's possibly just been a little bit scorched and by taking those off, you will encourage more good growth from the centre anyway. And is there a better food for it? Oh, there certainly is. And if you can try and get the um, Kenrose African Violet Fertiliser, that's the one that um, is probably the better. It does promote flowers extremely well. Okay, no wonder. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. You're Bye. most welcome, yes. And if you'd like to be part of Gardening Talkback, we are here right through until one thirty today, taking your calls on 49216216. Coming up soon, the very latest in local news. What's happening from the Hunter Newsroom? We'll find out. That's in a couple of minutes' time here at 2NURFM. Talk back. David Peterson is with us. Then just tidying up a little bit of homework, some questions yep. you had over the last week or two. I, I try, attempted to, yes, Dave. I mean, we had a query last week about a fertiliser that has become on the market that has been on a couple of garden shows. I am still trying to follow that up. I have found a manufacturer, but I've got to make sure. I have a feeling it's only available in that really big uh, warehouse place that we have plenty of in Newcastle, but um, I'm still trying to follow that one up. And the volcanic dust that I I'm still trying to follow up as well on prices and availability. So I just wanted to let those people that inquired about that know that I haven't forgotten it. I still am doing things about that. And everybody that calls through today between now and 1.30, of course, and uh, 
from Midday Today. Go in the drawer to win a wonderful gift pack. And it is. It's, it's a beautiful little plant. It's called uh, Angels of Desire. It's a beautiful little dianthus. It comes out in this beautiful pink and red blooms. They are scented, by the way. Most dianthus are. Good sunny spot in the garden. It only grows up to around about a good, I would say, 20 centimetres in height overall. Beautiful little plant, particularly if you mass plant them in your garden. As well as that, a box of the all-purpose plant food. This is the soluble one, as well as a container of the Aquamagic. These are the re-wetting granules. We'd love to hear from you. You can go to the phone right now. There's a couple of free lines waiting there. 49216216. That's the phone number. Here until 1.30, Gardening Talk back at 2 in your RFM, 103.7. Easy listening to and you are FM 103.7 Gardening Talk back with David Peterson right through until 1.30 this afternoon. Continuing with your calls on 49216216 with Ruby joining us from Belmont. Hello, Ruby. Hello, how are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, I've got some uh, question about bromeliads. Mm-hmm. Right, do they reflower in the same space, in the same place? They don't reflower on the plant that they've actually flowered on. It's only the new pups that will reflower. So when it, when it has flowered, that's called the, the, the parent plant, yeah. you'll often get young ones coming up from the sides, which are the yeah. pups, and they're the yeah. ones that reflower, or they're the ones that flower after the, so the parent. the parent plant does not reflower? It doesn't reflower, no. Not on any of them? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I grow quite a number of bromeliads. Right. Yeah, um, so, so they're scattered all in the garden, and um, normally what I do, is I take the parent plant off most of the plants uh, when right. when it has flowered, particularly if you've got a lot of young pups coming up around the side of it. Right. Okay. So that applies to all bromeliads. Well, as far as I know, Pretty it applies much. to all of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's answered my question. Very good. Thank, Thank you, you very Ruby. Much. Bye. And we've got Rosemary with us now from Corlett. Hello, Rosemary. Oh. Hello, David. Um. I've got them on, mounted on a lovely, beautiful old hunk of gum tree that was found in the bottom of a dam. A, I think it's an elkhorn. Are mm-hmm. they the ones with the green shield and the flower and the? The elkhorns are the ones with the multi leaves coming out from them. The stag has one central plant with the big arm that comes out of it. So the elks have multiple little stems that come out from it. From a shield. Yes, yes. That must be it. An okay, elkhorn. right. And from the, from where the leaf comes on each of them, it looks like borers. Mm. Yes, it's very, very like common. Cobweb yes. and little bits of brown. Okay, this this is a very, very common thing for elkhorns. It can either be a beetle or a little uh, grub that's getting in there and just yes. munching away. More times it's a beetle. You'll yes. probably find, once again, any general insecticide, but something like oh, okay. um, confidor or conker, if yes. you've got either one of those, if you just mix that up according to directions and just water that through the elkhorn, that will actually kill the insects within the actual elk and that will, should oh. stop happening. Thanks, David. I heard you talking to the other fellow, but I, I thought it was different. Yeah, it, it, he was talking about an entirely different thing, yes. Oh, okay. Mm. And the other thing is, um, what do you do with begonias, the tall ones, the that's tree the, ones? Yeah, that's the tree begonias. I've got one that's been cut off accidentally. Mm. Yes. So you're wondering what to do with the piece yes. that had been broken off? Yes. Look, certainly it does strike very readily. Uh, not 
so much during this time of the year when it's getting colder, but certainly during the summer months, you can actually strike them very readily by just taking cuttings. That you could try doing it now. Just you can just stick it into a pot with some really really good potting mixture, and it possibly will strike for you. But um, yeah, that's how they're usually grown, just by cuttings. Well, I cut it off up the top where the leaves are. Uh, what do you mean, the, the 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 normal plant now, or the one that's broken off? Yeah, the broken off. Okay, you need you need you can cut you can actually cut a stem into sections if you wanted oh. to. So it doesn't necessarily have to have any foliage on it. You can just stick a stem in the ground yeah. and it will regrow as well as you can stick the top bit in as well. Cut most of the foliage off so you've got oh, okay. less um, less foliage there and just stick as many little cuttings in as you possibly can. Oh, goody. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome. Bye. It's a quarter past one. We're off to Lambton and saying hello to Kate. Hello, Kate. Hi, guys. Um, David, what are the rules about rapid razor? Can you use too much? Well, you can always use too much fertiliser of any particular fertiliser. With rapid razor being organic, uh, it is uh, a non-burning fertiliser, but really you should just go to according directions, and the directions of most fertilisers are a handful, a reasonable handful per square metre. And if you, oh, <laughs> you've, you've used more than that, obviously, by the sounds of it. Just a bit. Right. Okay, then. Well, uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt, but on some things it may just tend to burn them. I would be very, very um, cautious about having the fertiliser piled up around the stem of the plant, so I'd make sure that you haven't already done that. If you have, just scratch it away from the stem because sometimes that can burn the stem very easily, and, of course, in, turn, in, t- in time that will actually cause the foliage to go brown. So just try and scratch it away from the stems of your plants. But, um, yes, certainly just a hand per square metre is ample fertiliser to use. Now, I haven't actually put the plants in yet. I just thought I'd prepare the soil. Oh, okay. Throw in so, some rapid razor and let it sort of do its yes. thing. So you've, you've dug that through the ground? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's fine. If you've dug it through the ground, that's actually blending it through the soil. It's not actually just going to be in one concentrated area. So that should be still fine. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. So in the future, Kate, yeah. a handful per square metre. Okay. Very good. Thank you, David. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye. 16 past one. It is, of course, Gardening Talk back until one thirty today with David Peterson. We'll continue with your calls, and we're talking to Kay from East Maitland next. As we say hello to Kay, Kay joins us now from East Maitland. Hello, Kay. Good afternoon. Um, I have a, a, a query about the um, volcanic dust that you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it contain? Well, I believe it contains various minerals and elements. That's what I'm still looking into. And it's available in several different forms, just the volcanic dust, and then it's available in both liquid as well as uh, complete fertilisers. But once again, as I say, Kay, I'm still looking into the availability of that so that I can organise to get that into the nursery. Yes, well, I use um, all rock. Oh, yes. If you know all rock? Well, I have heard of all rock again, and I, I should assume this is along the same lines as the volcanic dust. Well, I'm looking at the packet. I use it all the time. Yes. Uh, and it contains calcium, iron, manganese, boron, copper, zinc, cobalt. I don't know what the next one is. Molly, bedenum. Yes, yes. Selenium and bentonite. Well, that, that would be virtually the same, yes. So you just bought that locally, did you? Um, well, I actually got it from um, Safe in Queensland. I, oh, okay. 
I send up the things from them. But I do think there is, it is available if you look on the net. Yes, find yes. it available locally. Because I have written that name down on my list here as well to look into that for you during the week. Mm-hmm. And I'll just find out whether it's based... I, I, by the sounds of it, it sounds very much like the volcanic dust. Uh, but as I said, I'll give more information out uh, probably next week when I'm on the show about the volcanic dust. Yes. Well, the other thing I, I wanted to ask you, my daughter's lemon tree, it's a Eureka, um, has... They look beautiful lemons, but inside they're all brown. Okay. That's sometimes uh, just a couple of different things that may cause that. One is a boron deficiency. Quite often, if it's happened once in one one year, it's probably wise to give the tree some boron ready for next season. And secondly, sometimes when the, the, the lemon tree is in flower, if we get a very, very dry spell, sometimes it causes the browning to occur in the flower, which transfers into the actual fruit as well. So it's not not going to hurt by giving your lemon tree a bit of boron in just in case it was a boron deficiency. And, and would the rock be all right on that? Well, I would say it was if, as long as you've got boron on the instructions or on the, the ingredients, if it's yes, got so boron it's in it, yes, that's fine. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. My pleasure, Kay. Bye-bye. Let's go to Redhead and say hello to Maureen. Hello, Maureen. Hi, how are you, David? Good, thank you. Good. Um, I did have um, some... Chives. Sorry? I did have some chives. Yes. They were normal chives and onion chives. Yes. And I read somewhere in a magazine about, um, with those little black insects, I can't think of what they're called. Aphids? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, to plant um, a garlic clove down near the root. Mm Mm-hmm. And I did that, and they both died. Right. Okay. (laughs) both, Both the garlic as well as the chives died. Yes. Well, that was based on you. I don't think that was because you planted the garlic, because they would all help one another. Look, certainly, I mean, garlic would have been because of the the, the aroma that it's got. But you normally, the chives themselves normally don't keep most insects away because of the aroma as well. Possibly in the future, if you put more chives in, it's probably a good idea just to have a little bit of pyrethrin on hand because it's a nice, safe one. It only has a two-day withholding period, so therefore you can spray your chives with that, and of course you can eat them the day later so that might be probably an easier solution for you all right okay then yes and i had a staghorn too I, can you give them too much water well look with stags normally they're actually up in somewhere up in a tree or on a board or something like that so normally you can't give them too much water but if they start to rot away there might be just a little bit of fungal disease in it and you then may have to just give them something like some mancozeb to try and get that under control all right, yes, because I just had a little pot of soil. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I would say in that case, yes, you can give them too much water, so I'd be a little bit cautious there. Just try and leave them dry up between your waterings. Okay, then. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Ma- Thanks Maureen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gardening Talkback, 49216216. We'll continue with more calls next at 2NURFM 103.7. Gardening Talkback, 49216216. Hello, Alan. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. That's good. What can I do for you, Alan? Just got a question about lemons. Yes. I have a tree and it's absolutely loaded with lemons. Mm -hmm. 
But when you pick them and peel them, the pith has brown spots all over it. Okay. And you cut the lemon open and it's completely dry and brown. Okay. Well, as we just mentioned, you may not have heard us to Maureen, sometimes this can be one of two things. It can be a boron deficiency, which you can just get boron from a garden centre and just sprinkle that around the tree and that takes care of the boron deficiency. Otherwise, the other thing that happens is that when it's in flower, we get a very dry season and sometimes that in itself causes a brown in the flower which transfers into the actual fruit. I know that may sound a little bit silly, but it's actually what does happen. But certainly uh, you can add some, some boron to around underneath the tree and that may fix the boron deficiency. I mean, it doesn't matter if you, if you don't think it is a boron deficiency, it's not going to harm the tree by using boron. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Now, those large brown shoe bugs things yes. get on the... Do they have any effect on the fruit, or is it only on the sap in the... Well, look, certainly they draw the energy out of the tree, so therefore, consequently, yes, it can affect the fruit eventually. So this is why we can't leave them on there. They literally have to be killed or got, gotten rid of, because otherwise they will affect the tree badly. Oh, OK, then. Righto, right. thank you very much. Then. Thanks, okay. Alan. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Russell with us now. Russell's at Stockton. Hello, Russell. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, first question, I've got two questions. Mm -hmm. First question is, I've got a paved uh, courtyard area at the back of my house. Yes. And I've got fungi that's just coming up through it everywhere. Mm hmm how do I get rid of it? Well, look, certainly with fungi, which are just mushrooms or toadstools or whatever the case may be, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can just That's sprinkle... the size of a five-cent. Yep. You can just sprinkle it with garden lime. It's basically just a souring of the soil that causes this to happen. So just sprinkle with some garden lime or water that in, and you'll find that that will just disappear. Oh, okay <laughs> then. Now, the other one is I planted some garlic in January. Yes. That's already flowered. How long do I leave it for? I think you'll probably find that you, you will need to nearly lift that because that's been in at least five months now. So I would be certainly scratching around the surface just to see what state the garlic would be in, but I'm quite sure that that will be ready for pulling up now. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And our last call of the day now at Katara South is Peggy. Hello, Peggy. Oh, good afternoon, David. I've missed you for about the last five weeks. Never mind. I've fault of my own, but... You know, I haven't been here. Never mind. Um, I'm looking for some rhubarb plants. Yes. Or um, seeds. Yes. You never see them anymore. Well, you don't see, you don't see the seeds, certainly not, but certainly the corms uh, you can buy in a garden centre. Now, they're coming up ready for actual um, being on the shelf. So we're looking at around about early spring that you'll see those in packets on the bulb stand. Oh, no. Uh, you can also get them in plants. Now, plants are normally readily available. You can buy them in seedlings or else in actual pots that are already established rhubarbs. That's what I'm looking for. I know, I know for a fact that I do have some corms in pots at, at work at the moment that are for sale. They're only um, three-year-old corms, so they're ready to start shooting away. And I don't have any seedlings, I don't think, at the moment. But certainly there are some plants there available at the moment. And I'm looking for confrey. Plans. Comfrey, I also do have, strangely enough, I have had trouble getting that, so I do have some of that in stock at the moment as well. Oh, good. And I was wondering about Yates' 
seed. I don't see them anymore. No, no. Yates's seed is uh, slowly disappearing. There's not a lot of places that do carry Yates seed anymore. It is owned by a very, very large American company now, oh. and I know a lot of places have done away with Yates seed, including myself. I guess they've gone up in price if they're overseas. Possibly, yes, but there are other things that um, is why a lot of people are giving them away as well. So. Right. Now, one last question. Yep. Have you any of those containers with the new fruit fly? I certainly do. I certainly have the new fruit fly control, which actually kills both the male and the fruit fly, male and female fruit fly. But of course, you wouldn't need that, uh, Peggy, until next spring. So because right, but I thought I, if I got them now, you're I'll being be prepared, hunting for them. Okay. No, well, I certainly have those in stock as well. All right. I'll be able to see you. Very good. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you. Bye-bye now. And thank you to all our callers. Very busy show today, David. It is. has been, I rather, yes. And, of course, um, only one job to do, and that is to give away this gift for today. I'll just run through it very, very quickly. It consists of this dianthus, which is called Angel of Desire, which is this beautiful pink and red flowering dianthus, as well as a box of the all-purpose plant food soluble and a container of the aquamagics. That's the re-wedding granules. I'm going to give it to Rosemary of Corlette today. Rosemary rang us about the... um, uh, a couple of things in the garden, Elkhorns, and of course I'm trying to read without my glasses on as usual. Uh, so congratulations, Rosemary. All you really need to do is make your way down to Walls End Community Nursery. The cut's on the corner of Crowdis and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. Thank you for another week of gardening. Thank you, Dave. Are you learning heaps, Dave? While uh, I'm confused. I- <laughs> I know you use lots of mangazeb that comes in for everything. Yeah, mangazeb is a very, very popular one, yeah. mainly because, Dave, these days a lot of the products have been taken from our shelves, you see, so we have to fall back on the old faithful, and of course, mangazeb is there one of our go. old faithfuls. I'll look forward to next Monday okay. again. Okay, all right. Thanks, Dave. A good gardening, everyone. Gardening Talk Back with David Peterson, back next Monday from midday here at 2 and URFM 103.7.